Daniel chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and take uh, those out and look with me. Daniel chapter 3. This is one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. I remember in Sunday school, I would hear this story and like, man, somebody should make a movie out of this. Like it would be better than Top Gun Maverick, whatever that was. Like this would be a better movie even than that. Talking about drama, talking about like on the edge, talking about God showing up in a miraculous way. We're going to see all of that this morning as we look at this story here in Daniel chapter 3. And, and though the book is about Daniel, today we're going to look at three of his friends who found themselves in quite a predicament. And we're going to discover God didn't save them from the crisis, but he walked with them through the crisis. I think that's what makes this story so interesting. We're going to get to this story in just a few minutes. Uh, but how can you stand strong in your faith when your world's crashing in on you? How can you stand strong? Because that's the title of the series. How can you stand strong when there's the pressure of our culture that's maybe anti-God? We're living in this post-Christian time. How can you stand strong when there's pressure to bow, when there's pressure to compromise? Anyone besides me feeling pressure these days? Like it's coming from like every direction. Pressure to cause us to bow, pressure to cause us to compromise. You know, just because you're a person of faith and you've put your trust in God, it doesn't mean that you're not gonna have problems, challenges, or, or adversity. Interesting, I've heard through the years, I've heard people wrongly say, well, just accept Jesus and life's gonna be great. Um, that's not been my experience. Maybe that's been your experience, but that's not been my experience. I don't think it's accurate to say, hey, just accept Jesus and and life's going to be great, and you're not going to have any problems. I don't think Jesus frees us from a problem. It doesn't bring us a problem-free existence. He doesn't bring us a stress-free existence. But what we do have is we have the promise of Jesus being with us as we're walking through whatever we're walking through, right? That's the hope that we have. That's the help that we have. So that's why I would suggest, man, everyone needs Jesus, right? Turn to, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, everyone needs Jesus. If there's anything I've come to discover about life, life, ha life brings some curveballs. And everyone needs Jesus. But we need the help that he brings. And we're going to see that playing out in this narrative this morning. Because, you know, the reality is, is we're living out our faith in a broken, fallen world, right? Where stuff happens, where trouble happens. We're living out in a faith in a culture or a world system that's opposed to God and the things of God. Because of that, bad things don't just happen to bad people. Bad things even happen to the good people. I think the difference for individuals who've chosen Jesus again is that we have help. Whatever we face in life, we'll never have to face it alone. Get this, we have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit present to help us. That should encourage somebody this morning. But you have the Trinity at work on your behalf. You know, I find great hope, great comfort in a verse of Scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 2. It's on the screen. Listen as I read this. This is God speaking to us. It says, fear not, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name and you're mine. In other words, I know who you are. I know where you're at. You're mine. It goes on to say, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Notice, not if you pass through the waters, but when. Did you catch that? When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. 
In other words, God's promise is to be present, to be present with us. And beyond the comfort of this verse, one of, the, one of the names that's given to Jesus as his birth is being announced is that he would be Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Isn't that good news? Not only do we have God with, not only did God send his son Jesus so that we would have the Trinity present with us, but get this, the Holy Spirit resides within you. Right? You are, the scripture says that you're the temple. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have what? You have the Holy Spirit present in your life. So again, whatever you face in life, you'll never, you'll never have to face it alone. Can we have help? You know, as Charlotte and I are, are preparing for this next season of retirement, one of the things I've tried to convince her of is that we needed to get Harleys. <laughs> I... I gave her my best sales pitch about like how we could hit the open road, how we could enjoy some road trips. We could even join some biker clubs, enjoy riding with others. Maybe even God would have like a motorcycle ministry in our future. I mean, I tried everything I could. Now, don't I look good on that? That's what I've tried to sell her to. But it didn't work. So men, if you're here today, maybe if you see my wife about the campus, you could have a conversation with her because I could use a little help. Because I didn't get this. Let me show you what I got. I ended up. Isn't that sad? That's embarrassing. I didn't get the Harley. We've ended up with two e-bikes. But here's the interesting thing. Just recently, I mean, we've only had these a few weeks. Recently, we've been riding the greenways and the trails, and we've had a blast riding e-bikes. Now, if you're unfamiliar with an e-bike, this is kind of the deal with an e-bike. On an e-bike, you have a battery and a motor. And so you can pedal along, pedal along. As long as it's smooth or maybe downhill, you just keep pedaling, pedaling, enjoy the ride. But if you come to a place of resistance, if you come to a hill, if there's a hill you're going to climb, here's the great news. There's a little throttle you push and you have assistance. In other words, it kicks in and it starts doing the work for you. So as you're going up the hill, as you're going up the adversity, you have assistance. I'm going somewhere with this. Here's the great news about your relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the great news about what we get to enjoy. When you come to the hills of life, when you come to those adverse places where you don't know if you're going to be able to get to the top, when you don't know if you're going to be able to get through, here's the great news today. You have assistance. It's like you can hit that throttle on that e-bike and it just pushes you right up there. So you have assistance. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you got help. Go ahead and tell them. You got help. The presence of God with us. You know, in the midst of the adversity and when the pressure of our culture is trying to conform us, we can trust God to be with us and work for us. Here's, here's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to stand strong in faith and the results are up to God. You know, oftentimes we, we try to manip manipulate the results, right? That, listen, your responsibility is not to manipulate the results. Your responsibility is to stand strong in faith. The results then are up to God. Now, our trust in God will be tested in the realities of life. I mean, what you know today is tragedy happens. Betrayal happens. As we're going to see this morning, fiery furnaces happen. Job loss happens. Injury happens. Cancer happens. I know right now, 
Right now I'm praying with eight individuals in our church family who are battling cancer. Can I tell you, they're in the furnace. They're in the fire. And we've seen God do some miraculous, some amazing things. We've seen God turn some situations around. But as I've talked with all these eight individuals, and I'm praying for them every day, they're on my list. As I followed up with them, as I talked with them, these are some of the things I'm hearing back. Man, Pastor, God's been so faithful. God showed up here. God brought encouragement here. When we didn't know how we were going to make it through this, God showed up. As they were in the fire, in the furnace, so to speak, what were they experiencing? They were experiencing that of, of the presence of God. God was with them in the furnace. God's with them in that hard place. See, at times, at times God will deliver us from the difficulties, but other times he walks with us through the difficulties. And in both situations, Frank, can I tell you, he's faithful. In both situations, things, times as I talk with individuals who are walking through the fire, through that furnace, they're wondering, like, where's God? What's he up to? Listen, God's there. He's present. He's working for your good. In both situations, whether he delivers you from it or whether you're walking through it, God's faithful in the midst. And we're going to see that in this narrative that we're going to read today about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In case you were not here last week, Pastor Zach gave some background information. If you don't understand the background information as it relates to Daniel, it's kind of hard to put all of the pieces together. So let me just really quick, in case you were not here, give you some background information. In 605 BC, there was a king by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar who was leading the Babylonians that invaded the city of Jerusalem. Um, tore some of the walls down and took captives from Jerusalem back to the city of Babylon. He took the, the, the best and the brightest. There were several deportations, but in the first deportation, there would have been at least four of these young men. There were probably many more, but Daniel talks about four. There were four young men who were carried into Babylonian captivity. And they took the best and the brightest because they wanted to indoctrinate them. They wanted to change their thinking. They wanted to re-educate them into the culture of the day, to re-educate them into the way of the Babylonians so that they could serve in the king's court. So get this. Here's these young Hebrew boys committed to the one and true God who find themselves in a godless culture, who find themselves in a situation where they're being challenged about everything that they hold to be true, everything that they, they put their faith in. As Zach mentioned, as Pastor Zach mentioned last week, they even changed their names, trying to mess with their identity, trying to mess with that of their worship of the one true God. And as we come to Daniel chapter 3, three of the Hebrew boys find themselves in a challenging situation. And here's the situation. Here's the quick summary. Will they bow or will they burn? I mean, no, that's a little pressure. Either you're going to bow to the idol or burn? Will they capitulate to the culture? Will they stand strong in the midst of the pressure of the culture? So I want us to read this story this morning and see what we can learn about how to stand. How can we stand when the pressure, when the pressure is on? So Daniel chapter 3, I want to begin with verse 1. I'm going to read parts of the story. I'm going to summarize parts of it for the sake of time. But let's begin with verse 1, chapter 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 60 cubits 
wide and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So let me give some understanding of that. It would have been about 90 feet tall and nine feet wide. So about seven stories. So quite a structure that King Nebuchadnezzar has put together. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been a part of this group that's gathered. Verse 4, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're you're commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Now, this creates a problem for these three Hebrew boys, right? He goes on, verse 6, to say, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So King Nebuchadnezzar's created this huge monument, some seven stories tall, and he's commanding, directing that every individual is going to bow to this idol that he's constructed, constructed for the gods and for his glory. It was about him, but it was also about his gods. And all the people, including again Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were to bow and worship before this idol and more, uh, that he had created. And all the instruments played, as the scripture says, everyone bowed except for three young men. How many of you know at that point they had a pretty good view, right? Everyone else is on their face. Um, they're standing bold and strong. Well, some of their peers, some of their friends ragged on them. They went and told Nebuchadnezzar, oh, there's these three Hebrew men, you know, that came from Jerusalem. You said to bow and they're not bowing. They're defying your order. And the scripture says that the king was, was furious, furious because they wouldn't, wouldn't bow to this idol. And so he calls them before, um, he's, they're called before the king. Again, the king's fierce. How many of you know that's not good, right? King's upset, not good. The king wants to give them one more chance to bow to this image that he's made. And if, if they choose not to bow, and they're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. So again, their choice is pretty clear. It's bow or burn. Bow to the pressure. Bow to this false God or burn. And I want you to listen to their response. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king. And I love their response. Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Notice verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we'll not serve your gods or worship the Im image of God you set up. We want you to know, King, we're not bowing. We're not bowing to the culture. We're not bowing to your God. We're not bowing to anything other than our God. In the midst of this, the rest of the story is because they refused to bow, they were thrown into the furnace. 
God shows up in the furnace. What we see in this story is, is the power of God's reveal. I mean, and we're going to read this in just a moment, but as the soldiers threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, it was actually, it was so intense that it took the lives of the soldiers that threw them in the fire. Yet they were not harmed. Hair not singed, clothes not scorched. Matter of fact, what we see not only is the power of God revealed, we see the presence of God revealed. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's like, oh my goodness, we threw through in there and I think I see a fourth. Like, what's, what's going on? What's the deal here? Like, did, didn't we just sow three in there? Like, I see four in there. It was, it was the presence of God. It was God present with them where? In the furnace. In the midst of the crisis. And obviously God was glorified as a result of this miraculous intervention of God's presence. The king realizes that the, Hebrews, that, that the three Hebrew boys, God is the one true God. An amazing story. I think a display of God's power at work. But, but what I want you to notice, is I think this is the significant thing for me in this story. The, th- the three Hebrew boys were not saved from the fur- furnace, but they were delivered through the furnace. It was their faith that took them in. It was their faith that sustained them. It was their faith that brought them out. And God was at work in all of it. God was present in all of it. Now certainly, how many of you know God could have kept them out of the furnace? Are you with me? Like God could have zapped King Nebuchadnezzar right there, deal done, he's out of the picture, no furnace experience. God could have kept them out of the furnace, but he didn't. He actually showed up with them in the furnace. He showed up with them in the experience. Now obviously we see God at work in this story. We see God's miraculous provision. But I want to talk just for a moment about these three Hebrew men. Because they found themselves in quite a predicament. Would you agree? Like they could bow or burn. Like those are not two good options, right? They could compromise their beliefs or stand in the pressure. They could, they could take the path of convenience or the path of conviction. They could do what everyone else was doing or they could honor God. Now, our scenarios today are probably not as intense as they were facing. Like there's probably no one tomorrow that's going to face a literal fiery furnace, right? But we, we do face situations today, and you're going to face them tomorrow throughout this week. You're going to face situations where you are challenged to bow to the pressure. You're, you're going to be challenged to give it. You're going to be challenged to compromise your convictions. And it plays out like this. Maybe it's, maybe it's pressure to fudge some numbers, or you're going to miss a promotion, Maybe it's pressure to try a substance or you're going to lose some so-called friends. Maybe it's pressure to exaggerate a situation. We, we call it a white lie, but it's really just a lie, right? To close a deal. That's pressure to compromise. Or maybe it's pressure to sexual intimacy or you lose a relationship. You know, in these situations, there's pressure to bow. There's, there's pressure to compromise our convictions. But how can we stand firm? I think that's what we can learn from this story this morning. How can we stand firm in the pressure? How can we honor God in our lives and with our lives? In a culture that seems to be moving away from morality, in which you're living and I'm living, like how can we stand? How can we stand under the pressure? If we look to this story in Daniel 3, we discover some characteristics in the lives of the three Hebrew men that, that enabled them to stand 
in the midst of this intense pressure. And I believe it's these very characteristics that can help us stand as we're processing life Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. What can we do to stand under the pressure, the pressure to compromise, the pressure to give in? So what characteristics? There's four. The first is this, is, is courage. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were men of courage. Like when they were faced with a situation that co- could cost them their lives, they were willing to stand strong. Like rather than giving in to fear, they had, they had courage to confront the situation and courage to deny the king's command. When everyone else was bowing, they didn't give in to the peer pressure. They, they, they didn't do what everyone else was doing. It was their courage that enabled them to stand strong. You know, courage is the resolve for us to do what's godly even when no one else is doing it. It's courage. As we're living on our faith today in a post-Christian society where morality is being compromised and wrong is being called right, we need courage to lovingly and graciously confront the wrong. When there's pressure to bow to the ways of a godless culture, we must not give in to the fear that, that leads to compromise, but have courage to stand for what's right according to what God's word says. To do that, it requires courage. Courage to challenge the process. Courage maybe to challenge the professor. Courage to, ca- to challenge the injustice. Is it easy? No. Is it right? Yes. Holy Spirit, give us the courage of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can I, can I get an amen to that? Give us that kind of courage in the midst of the pressure and the times in which we're living. Not only were the three, three Hebrew young men um, courageous, but they had strong conviction. If you look back in this story to verse 15, King Nebuchadnezzar threatens these three young men by saying, hey, if you don't worship this idol that I've constructed, then you're going to be killed, thrown into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue? It's almost like he's, he's taunting them. Like you think your God is great. You think your God can rescue you from this. And I love their response. Their response reveals their conviction. Verse 16, they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. How many of you know that's conviction talking right there? Our God can. See, their conviction, their belief is that the God they serve was greater than the king. That was their conviction. Their conviction was is that, is that they honored God. God would honor them. Their conviction was as they stood up for God that God somehow would show up on their behalf. Because of their conviction, it fueled their courage and they were able to deny the directive of the king. Because of their conviction as to who their God was, they were able to stand under the pressure. You know, friends, compromise, compromise occurs when we don't have the conviction to stand for what we believe. That's when compromise happens. That's when we give in. Compromise occurs when we allow the voice of our culture to be louder than the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's when compromise occurs. To stand strong in the presence of all that's happening in our world today, politically, socially, and spiritually, it's we must hold to our convictions as to who our God is and what his word says. To be, to be solid in what we believe, what we hold to our convictions Not only did the three Hebrew young men have strong convictions, but they also had confidence. 
They were confident, get this, in the goodness of God. We sang about it this morning, right? They were confident in the faithfulness of their God. They were confident in the power of God. What they were confident of is that, is that God was able and that he had the final word. It wasn't the king. See, the king thought he had the final word, right? Our culture today thinks it has the final word. Maybe there's individuals in your life and your workplace, they think they have the final word. Can I tell you that God has the final word? When it's all said and done, what matters is what God says, right? They were confident in who God was. King issued his threat. He says, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. Notice their response. Even if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is, is able to save us from it. He'll rescue us from your hand, O king. They were so confident in God's ability that they were willing to defy the king's order. They were so confident in God's faithfulness. They were, they were able to stand firm under the pressure to bow. They were so confident of God's power to deliver that they were willing if necessary, to go into the furnace. They were fully persuaded. What's confidence? I think confidence is this. They were, it's being fully persuaded. These three young men were fully persuaded that somehow, some way, God was going to show up on their behalf. It was their confidence in God and his ability that gave them the resolve to stand firm when their very lives were being threatened. And the bottom line is they're their faith in God was greater than their fear of death. That's how they could defy the king. They had that kind of confidence. Now Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's believing before it happens. And that's what these three Hebrew young men had. They had faith. They had, they had confidence. Basically, they were saying to the king, king, you can do whatever you want. We're not bowing. We're confident that not only is our God able, but he's greater. He's greater than you, King. He's greater than your furnace. He's greater than your order. We're, we're, we're not certain how this is going to play out. I think that's what they were saying. We're not, we don't know exactly how this is going to happen. But we know somehow, some way, our God, who's always faithful, is going to show up on time at the right time. That was their confidence. That was their faith. It was that faith that enabled them to stand under the pressure. And what we need to know today, because I think sometimes we get this faith thing, we, we twist it to be what we want it to be rather than what it is. I know you wouldn't do that, but your neighbor would. <laughs> Listen, friends, faith is not manipulating God to get what you want. Faith's not, faith not trusting in what we want to happen. Faith is being confident and fully persuaded that God is always faithful, that God's forever with us, and that God's constantly working for our good. Listen, when, when you're confident of who God is and you're confident of what God can do, then you can boldly stand firm. You don't have to worry. You don't have to waver. Why? Because you have confidence. You're, you're fully persuaded that somehow, some way, God's going to come through. Really quick, here's the final characteristic we see and the three Hebrew young men, and it's this, it's commitment. Their commitment to God and their commitment to honor God was greater than their concern for their own lives. How many of you know that's being sowed out? We're not going to bow. We may burn, but we're not going to bow. That's being sowed out. That's being fully committed. Notice what they said in verse 18 to the king. 
eyeball to eyeball. This is the man who thought he had the power to take their lives. Again, eyeball to eyeball, he says, they say to him, but even if he does not, even if we have to go into the furnace, we want you to know, O king, that we're not gonna serve your gods and we're not gonna worship the image gold that you've set up. Because of their commitment, they were not willing to compromise. They were willing to die for what they believe. Now, it would have been, it would have been easy for them to take the path of convenience. You know, just to bow one time, it's really not a big deal, is it? I mean, they could have justified, like, you know, God, we're, we're, we're bowing physically, but we're not bowing spiritually. Like, we're standing strong, but, you know. <laughs> I think they could have come up with some pretty good excuses as to justifying why it would be okay to bow. But they were so committed to the God that they served that they were willing to put their lives on the line. And can I tell you, friends, it was their commitment that took them into the furnace and it was their commitment that brought them out of the furnace. As God worked on their behalf. God showed up on their behalf. So what, what does it mean to be committed? I, I think to be committed means we stay the course. We stand with confidence. We keep going when the going gets tough. We don't give in. We don't give up. To stand firm in our present culture in the days that are ahead of us, I believe it's going to require commitment. I've said this before. Say it again. I, I, I've been following Jesus since I was four, three or four, 57 today. So what's that, 54 years I've been following Jesus. And I would say, from just this is my experience, it's never been more difficult to follow Jesus than it is today. And all that's happening in our culture. You, you want to go to um, a college, say, Duke, NC State, Davidson, UNCC. Want to go into one of the classrooms and, and stand for the truth that you believe? Difficult. Represent Jesus there? Difficult. In the marketplace? Man, it's tough. I don't think it's ever been more difficult for individuals of faith to stand for what they believe. What's it going to require? Commitment. Might that commitment get you in the furnace? It just might. But can I tell you who's going to show up in the furnace with you? God, somehow, some way. The commitment that took you into the furnace is the commitment that's going to bring you out on the other side. And you're going to be able to give testimony to the amazing way that God showed up in your life. Because of the commitment of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as you know, they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And what's interesting in this story is it wasn't just any fiery furnace. Like you might be thinking, a fiery furnace, like how could that get worse? The scripture says that the king was so furious that it made it seven times hotter. I don't know how you do that. I mean, that's cracking hot, seven times hotter. That's hot. Remember, I mentioned this earlier, but the, the heat was so intense that the soldiers who threw these three Hebrew 
young men into the furnace, it took their lives. They were, they were not in the furnace. They were just close to the furnace. They were gone. Crispy critters. Dead. But the king didn't have the final word. Folks, never forget that. Our culture doesn't have the final word. Listen. That individual that's mocking the Jesus you serve, hear me, they don't have the final word. That employer who thinks you're a radical, ridiculous, crazy person, they don't have the final word. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't have the final word. Listen to how Daniel chapter 3, verse 24 and 25 reads. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. Notice verse 25. He said, look. I don't know what's happening here. I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were then called out of the furnace into, into the king's presence. In the king's amazement, this furnace that had killed the soldiers had not harmed their bodies at all. Remember, the scripture says their hair was not singed. Their garments were not scorched. They didn't even smell like smoke. And give me a break. Listen, three minutes around a fire pit and you smell, you stink like smoke, right? Yeah, you weren't in the fire. You were just around the fire pit. These guys were in the furnace and they didn't even smell like smoke. Not even a, a hint of the furnace experience. Amazing. As a result of their stand, the king praised the one true God and set a decree that no one should speak against their God. Beyond that, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted in the king's court. All of this happened because they stood under pressure. Here's the truth I believe we discover in this amazing story, and I want to bring it all to this, and I'm almost finished. Here's the truth that I want you to grab this morning from this story is that God is able and he's faithful. Say it again. Your God, my God, is able and he's faithful and he'll deliver those who trust in him. As we put our faith in God and live fully persuaded, somehow, some way, God's gonna come through. Somehow, some way, God's gonna show up on your behalf. Listen, at times, God delivers us from the crisis. Now, that's what we would all prefer, Right? Like, God, I don't want to go through the furnace. Just save me before I get there. Like, if we were going to take a vote this morning, go into the furnace or avoid the furnace, it would be 100%. I'd, you know, save me before I get there, right? And listen, sometimes God does that. He is a miracle-working God who at times, by his grace and by his provision, he saves you from a situation. 
Listen, recently I've prayed with individuals who had a financial situation in which there was absolutely no hope, zero hope, and somehow God flipped the script and he turned it around and there was no answer but God. In recent days I prayed for individuals who were diagnosed with cancer and they had tumors identified by the doctors. And then the tumors disappeared and the doctors had no answer. Just this morning, just this morning, there was a gentleman in our earlier service. I visited him in the hospital on Friday. His blood pressure was at the bottom, heart arrhythmia. The plan was is they were going to take him down, do the shock, however that works. That's way beyond my understanding. Um, Prayed with him, left the hospital. They took him down to the room, I mean, shaved his chest, was getting ready for this whole procedure. And they said, we don't know what happened, but your heart just came back into rhythm. We don't know how to explain that. I talked with him this, he was, in the, he was in the service. I prayed with him on Friday in the hospital. He was in the service this morning. This is what I know. Sometimes God delivers us from the crisis. But can I tell you, there's also times that God walks with us through the crisis. And he's just as much God when he delivers us from it as when he walks with us through it. I talk with folks all the time, you know, pastor, where's God at? Oh, this is hard. Oh, where's God at? Why did God, listen, God hadn't left you. <laughs> he's still right there. He's with you. He's for you. For whatever reason, sometimes God chooses to take us through the furnace, and at times it's for purposes that we don't even understand, and maybe on this side of eternity, we'll never understand it. Sometimes he delivers us from the crisis. Sometimes he delivers us through the crisis, through the furnace. And that's what he did and the story was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is uh, what we can be confident of. We can be confident of God's presence and God's provision. That's where we can anchor ourselves, God's presence and God's provision. Matter of fact, David wrote about this in Psalm chapter 23, verse 4. Uh, listen to what the shepherd boy David wrote. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice, not that I fly over. Are you with me? As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that hard place, that furnace place. David says, I'm not, I'm not going to fear evil. And here's the key, because you're with me. You're with me in that place. Your rod and your staff, they'll comfort me. And just as God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace, so he's going to be with you. So don't be, don't be discouraged. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't lose hope. Stand strong in your conviction. Stand strong in your faith. This is what I can tell you today. You're not in the fire alone. You know, we're not sure what King Nebuchadnezzar saw when he looked into the furnace where the three Hebrew men were thrown. But maybe he saw something like this artist's rendering 
of the furnace experience. If you notice, there's another in the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar says he, he looks like sons of a, of a God. I, I don't know how else to explain it. And what I can tell you today is that there was another in the fire. There was someone there present with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And just as God was with them active and present, listen, so he is with you today if you're having a furnace experience. In the middle of that hard place, where's God? Where's God at? He's with you. So if you're here today, present or, or even watching online, and you would say you're today presently having a furnace experience. Maybe it's in your marriage. How many of you know you can have a furnace experience in your marriage? Crisis, adversity, trouble. Maybe your furnace experience is in your finances. Maybe your furnace experience is in a relationship, or maybe it's, it's your work. There's, a, there's chaos playing out. It's a fiery furnace experience. Or maybe it's a health problem that you have, or you have a family member that has that health problem, that furnace place, that crisis place. And because you're closely connected with them, it's like you're in the furnace with them. What I want to ask you to do this morning, if you would say, hey, I can identify with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because I feel like, I feel like I'm in the furnace. I'm going to ask you to stand to your, your feet right now, if that's you. I, I want to prophesy over you this morning. I believe the Lord's given me a word for you. I want you to stand. I want to pray for you this morning. And we're going to sing a song that's about your situation. And the Holy Spirit's going to minister to you in and through this song. But if you could say, I can identify with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I feel like I'm in the furnace right now. Whatever the situation might be related to. Again, quickly stand to your feet. For those watching online, I'm going to ask you to stand to. Listen, God knows where you're at. He knows your address. He knows what you're facing. I'm going to pray for you as well. So for those who are standing in your feet, this is what I want you to know today. Listen, God is with you. He's with you. Christina, God's with you. He knows exactly where you're at. He's with you. Ted, and in that furnace, whatever that is, God's with you. Roger and Mary, listen, you're not alone. God knows how difficult a place you're at. He's with you. You're not alone. In that furnace. Missy Elnatriana, God's with you. Isn't that what you're walking through? Rich and Missy and Chris and Vonnie and man. Could go on and on, but what I would want you to know first and foremost, if you're standing, don't allow the enemy to bring the lie of deception to say that you're in it alone. You're not. There's another with you in the fire. And that one who's with you, here's the second thing you got to hold on to. He loves you outrageously. Man, he's crazy about you. You're the apple of his eye. He cherishes you.
Here's the third thing that you need to hold on to. Listen, God's able. (laughs) Don't sell him short. God's able. And the world, the culture, the situation, it doesn't have the final word. Our God holds the final word. Lord, I pray for my friends who are standing, for those who would be online today, who, Lord, are standing. God, I don't know what their furnace experience is like. I don't know exactly what it is, but God, what I do know is what was true for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is true for every individual standing today. God, there's another in the fire. Lord, you are present with them. Lord, may they know that today. Lord, may they have conviction to hold on to, Lord, that which they know is true according, Lord, to who you are and the promise of your word. Lord, may you, Lord, even as you brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire and out of the fire, God, may you do it in their lives. Lord, for their good, your glory, and a witness to everyone who's watching. Lord, I thank you today for the confidence we have to know that as we walk through these furnace experiences that we're not alone, that there's another in the fire. Amen. Would you, would everyone else stand this morning? The worship team is going to sing a song over you this morning. And allow the words of this song to minister to you. If you know the song, we'd invite you to join us as we just declare this truth. There's another in the fire.
Because I know that's where